Blog Talk Radio. Empowered Love with author, self-mastery coach, and relationship expert, Melanie Tanya Evans. Take back your power, heal your soul, and set yourself free. Free through Empowered Love. And now your host of Empowered Love, Melanie Tanya Evans. Hi everyone, I'm Mel and welcome to another Empowered Love Radio show. And Empowered Love Radio is now being broadcast live across the Speak Up and Talk Radio Network. And you can listen to this show by going to speakuptalkradio.com. So this week's radio show and article is called Narcissistic Abuse Damned Either Way. And this is a pretty big topic and this is a pretty long article and radio show but it was time to bring out another narcissistic article to the community and I really wanted to do it on this one. So one of the most frustrating things about being narcissistically abused is that you're often told how wrong and bad, insensitive, uncaring or incompetent you are. And it doesn't matter how hard you try to do the right thing, the narcissist still finds fault with you. If the narcissist in your life is or was a love partner, the relationship certainly didn't start that way. In stark contrast, you thought you could do no wrong with this person. In fact, you couldn't imagine them ever getting annoyed about anything. And generally that's how narcissistic relationships kick off, as glorious and delightful. If the narcissist in your life is a family member, maybe you can't remember anything but being demeaned and criticised. Yet there may have been extremely confusing times when this family member knew how to turn on the charm to play you and get something from you. And at these times you wanted to hope that the abuse would stop and that this person really did love you and care about your well-being. However, the cycles of abuse and they just inevitably repeat it again. So why does this happen? Why is the narcissist sometimes so wonderful and then again rarely appeased for long and incessantly finding fault with you? So that's what I'm going to be explaining in this radio show. So let's have a look at narcissistic idolizing before the devaluing starts. And the interesting thing in regard to the initial charm, which is known as love bombing, and the constant criticism, which is known as devalue and discard, is that in both cases the narcissist is a chameleon. Because it really doesn't have anything to do with his or her preferences. It actually has to do with what will hook you in the beginning the most and what will hurt you with the greatest intensity further down the track. It's all to get a reaction and energy. And this is why it is pointless to try to work out why the narcissist wants this or doesn't want that and how you can change whatever you are or aren't doing to try to make the narcissist happy. At the beginning of the relationship, the narcissist discovers what your gaps are the things you desperately want to hear about yourself and the topics that turn you on. 
And this is what made you initially trust the narcissist, fall in love with him or her, and get excited about spending your life with this person. In regards to a family member narcissist or being love-bombed by an intimate partner narcissist after trying to break up with them, these are the exhibitions of promise that make you want to reconnect. Narcissists have the uncanny ability to manipulate, which means identify what you like, what your dreams are, and also what you missed out on that you deeply yearn for such as what your childhood and other partners did not provide for you. These are the gaps that the narcissist fills in. And the narcissist will go out of his or her way to go beyond the call of duty to do the little and big standout things that differentiate him or her from anyone else that you've been out with. Narcissists initially and when love bombing are generally very demonstrative and incredibly charming. At these times, the narcissist knows how to position him, himself or herself as the dream partner, especially tailored for you. These are not real attributes that the narcissist has. This is all about the narcissist knowing how to play you. The narcissist doesn't feel real, and the narcissist doesn't even know who he, who he or she is without narcissistic supply. But he or she certainly knows what not feeling like a real entity in his or her own body feels like. The terrible gnawing of screaming emptiness, self-loathing and dire insecurities. The feeling of always being precariously close to total emotional collapse if energy can't be sought to feed his or her ego, which is the false self. There is no true self available to have preferences or a real identity. The false self is taken over and there is only the dire need to get attention, acclaim, staff compliments or even other people's negative emotions so that the narcissist can be fed outside significance in order to escape being alone with himself or herself. Getting necessary narcissistic supply, which is energy and attention, is all about escaping an inner demonic void which is ever-present, threatening to annihilate the narcissist's precarious emotional existence. Therefore, there is a very necessary task of acting whatever role is necessary in order to secure you as a source of narcissistic supply. The best way to do that is to appear as much as possible to be everything that you want the narcissist to be. The narcissist works out what you like, what you are drawn to, topics such as spirituality or intelligence or religion or sexual attention, compliments, tenderness, big future plans, being cooked for, anything that floats your boat. Even if you are prone to fixing people, the narcissist will work this out and play the perfect role to ignite your need for fixing. So naturally, this feels like a match in heaven. You are having enough of your gaps filled to feel euphoric. You may have experienced a powerful feeling of wholeness with this person or even a sense of coming home. Many people report a feeling of finally feeling truly safe and loved. 
this is the beginning, the dream days when you thought this was the perfect person and it would always feel this wonderful. The narcissist seemed so accommodating, understanding and gentle and you thought you were both on the same side of the court as a team. But it didn't last. And acts don't last. So why doesn't this wonderful stage last even if it is an act? Doesn't everybody try to put their best foot forward? It doesn't last because what is not real cannot stand the test of time. The truth always comes out and the truth is Dr. Jekyll is an act. The narcissist's real self, the real inner being is Mr. or Miss Hyde. A tormented self that is far from healthy, loving or capable of love. And even at the beginning there are cracks. Especially if you still retain your own interests, your own time and your own circle of friends, including members of the same sex as the narcissist. I promise you these are the people who flush narcissists out. These are the people who inherently know it is not healthy to do instant relationships. The time is needed and it's sensible to get to know someone before putting your heart, body and life on the line. They also know that healthy, mature adults have their own space and lives as well as time together. And things like possessiveness, jealousy and insecurities do not constitute mature, healthy partnership material. The love bombing stage is much easier for the narcissist to pull off and hook you with if you enmesh, if you fall in and if you give in and allow the fast bonding to occur. Once you are hooked, devoted and besotted, the narcissist can start relaxing. The snaring and extraction of narcissistic supply has been established. It took an almighty effort for the narcissist to maintain decency and delightfulness in order to capture you. And when the need for the narcissist's wonderful persona eases back, now the cracks will start cracking open and crack open they do and this is when the damned if you are and damned if you aren't stuff starts happening and how quickly that will happen depends on a few things many people say this happened hugely when they moved in with the narcissist or married the narcissist and many said that it was subtly there all along and it just got worse and worse the truth is, even at the beginning, because the narcissist is a pathological self, he or she will expose some personality flaws, and maybe very big ones, accidentally. It may be a look that you see when the narcissist is off guard. A look that is really creepy or malicious. It may be something that the narcissist says that is off something that's really wrong, a statement that is childish, demanding, nasty or warped. And when it happens, something inside of you twists into a knot. Or something from the narcissist's past may pop up, unsavory stuff or drama that is not normal. One of the greatest warning signs is there are things that you sense the narcissist are lying about, things that just don't add up. And for some reason, you don't wish to confront them. Maybe even if you find out about the lies, you don't want to acknowledge them. 
If we are honest with ourselves, we know it is because we do not want to acknowledge the truth and shatter the illusion of what we want to believe about this person. Or, if you do confront these issues, somehow the reasons given to you still don't make concrete sense and don't put you at ease. Another warning sign is that the narcissist is isolating you and it's very difficult to have communications and relationships with other people without getting a weird vibe or disdain from the narcissist. Yet you may dismiss all of this subtly or obviously happening because the time you spend together is still wonderful. Mind you, not all narcissists will display all of this but some or all of these warning signs will be apparent and absolutely your gut will register and feel ill at ease at these times. Some people have reported people who have very low self-esteem that the narcissist treated them terribly, told them they would never be good enough for the narcissist and abused them right from the beginning. Most people need more of a show to get hooked. Some people don't. And the narcissist quickly ascertains who is who in the zoo. One thing is for certain that when you are sufficiently hooked, the narcissist will work out how far the mask can come off whilst keeping you as a source of narcissistic supply. That is, if you still have something to offer that the narcissist's ego wants, otherwise you will be discarded. So, let's look at attacking what the narcissist originally supported. So let's further investigate how your gaps get used against you. Let's say you have body image issues and originally the narcissist professed to help you feel good about your body and love you unconditionally. The narcissist may have even said that he or she preferred fuller body partners. And now that you're hooked, the narcissist is mercilessly targeting your body issues with insults. Okay, or let's say you hate jealousy and shared with the narcissist your journey with jealous partners in the past. And the narcissist originally stated how much he or she was not the jealous type and agreed with your non-jealous orientation 100%. Yet now that the mask is slipped, the narcissist starts generating jealousy, being suspicious, starting to make you suspicious and accusing you of being untrustworthy as well as unjustly jealous. So the truth is, another one of the big issues about your weak spots is that you can't win. And what gets incredibly frustrating about narcissistic abuse is whatever you do, you're wrong. Maybe the narcissist has told you that you are lazy and that you don't contribute enough. So you pick up overtime and you start working back late. But to your dismay, the narcissist now accuses you of being a workaholic who only cares about money and certainly not about him or her or your children. Because the narcissist is attacking your body image, you start watching what you eat and exercise more. Rather than the narcissist being happy with you losing weight, you are then accused of being obsessed with how you look. I remember one of my most maddening 
damned if you do or damned if you don't situations was when myself and the narcissist were renovating our home. If I went to the hardware store with him for materials without wearing makeup, he would tell me I didn't care enough about being his partner to want to look good for him, like I apparently did for everybody else. Then when I did wear makeup, he would accuse me of doing this to get the attention of every other man in the hardware store. It was total madness. So let's have a look at this one, the narcissistic relief of offloading. The narcissist attacking your weak spots is where the narcissist can get additional pain relief from you. Narcissistic supply was the first part of this. The positioning as the center of your universe and chipping away bit by bit at other sources in your life so that the narcissist gets to be your exclusive source. Because this then ensures the narcissist can extract energy from you at any time when the narcissist needs narcissistic supply or when other sources are not available. So even discarding you physically and having you obsess about the narcissist is still providing a feed to the narcissist psychically. I promise you this. And that psychic connection is the one we most need to break. And healing of our own wounds is imperative to do that. However, when you are still in the narcissist's psychic physical space, he or she can have their extra benefit of belittling you. Because when the narcissist's inner demons can't be drowned out, the narcissist needs to project them. And in effect, what this literally is, is the assigning of these painful emotions onto another person so that narcissists can try to attack and defeat his own internal enemies. Naturally, this is unconscious. And according to the narcissist's pathologically and severely distorted brain wiring, these demons are you. In regard to consciousness, narcissists are on a very low end of the scale. Conscious people know how to have control over their emotions despite the circumstances. Unconscious people's emotions are controlled by the circumstances. A narcissist's dire lack of consciousness leads them to make up the circumstances to match their painful emotions. And the delusions are so great the narcissist has grave difficulty separating fact from fiction. Therefore, according to the narcissist, there is absolute evidence and truth behind his or her accusations about you. And these accusations are going to come about in three different ways. And the first is your gaps that the narcissist has identified as your weak points. Number two is what the narcissist unconsciously detests and projects about his or her own dark, shameful, unwholesome behaviour. And number three is anything that you receive enjoyment, acclaim, purpose or fulfilment about that takes energy away from the narcissist. In other words, what the narcissist is suffering pathological envy over. So, how the abuse escalates. 
The danger period begins when you have rationalised initial warning signs away, not confronted things that don't add up squarely and directly, and when you've talked yourself into why you should be in the relationship regardless. Now more cracks have appeared, things like jealousy, unease, put-downs, inappropriate anger and behaviour, and the narcissist taking umbrage at any perceived criticism. Now you've seen with your own eyes the narcissist has serious issues and is not taking personal responsibility. There is always an excuse or someone else to blame. You've crossed the line of selling out your gut feelings and you're even putting up with real life unpleasant experiences with this person as a trade-off for something that the narcissist is providing you with. Something that you are not anchored healthily into for yourself. Unconsciously, your biggest hook is your addiction, your unhealthy bonding to the narcissist providing you with something you are struggling to provide for yourself. Maybe you don't speak lovingly to yourself. Maybe you hold harsh self-expectations that you judge yourself by. Maybe you criticise rather than compliment yourself. Maybe you don't know how to be with yourself healthily in your heart and you're incessantly in your mind, disconnected instead. Maybe because these states were just how you've always been as your normal, you had no idea that this was even happening within, you, within yourself until now. The narcissist filled some or many of these gaps initially for you. The narcissist act took away the pain of self-doubt, an insecure future, the fear of being alone, and the pain of feeling unlovable, unworthy or not good enough. These remedies are what you're hanging on to. Even though the initial large doses started petering out to crumbs and got replaced with abuse. When people work through their inner recoveries, they discover how true this is and the true reasons as to why you have been suffering the abuse and why you stay despite it. And this is a statement that I really want to include in as many of my articles and radio shows as I can from now on because the message of this statement is so important and we need to have it as our mantra. We will never tolerate a level of love less than the level of love we have for ourselves. I'm going to repeat it. We will never tolerate a level of love less than the level of love we have for ourselves. So until we acknowledge this and we do the essential work on ourselves, we get stuck in the grand illusions, the falsities that do not set us free from the agony of narcissistic abuse. We believe that this is all about what the narcissist is or isn't doing. And we cling, trying to force the narcissist to wake up and change in order to fix the trauma and the pain we're experiencing. Not only is this akin to expecting a crocodile to roll over and let it scratch, let it scratch its tummy, it's also completely missing the bigger picture point. The narcissist was never in your life to love you. The narcissist came into your life as a messenger helping you locate and heal the parts of yourself that weren't loving and approving of you. Do you believe in everything happens for a reason? 
narcissistic abuse is no exception, I promise you. So let's have a breakdown of the three types of narcissistic accusations that you've been suffering. Number one is your gaps that the narcissist has identified as your weak points. Most narcissists are really skilled at identifying your weak points and tailor the nasty, nasty behaviour to suit the person in question. Our gaps include having unhealthy tolerances to certain things. And it is through identifying these gaps that the narcissist works out what he or she can get away with. If you have zero tolerance to affairs and will leave without question if someone played up on you, the narcissist will not throw other people in your face and will use another angle to demean you with. If you have a tendency to hang on to adulterous partners rather than let go, and this has been your pattern, the narcissist will comply and punish you this way by throwing that fear in your face. You may be battered by the comments about his or her attraction to other people and how you are not good enough for the narcissist. The narcissist may even blatantly and indiscriminately have open affairs knowing this will trigger your emotional panic and hook you in harder. To ascertain what your weak link is and how far it can be played, the narcissist tries out your levels of tolerance. To you understand your own weak link, Look at the patterns you've had in relationships, what has hurt you the most that you still have emotionally, emotional energy tied up in, in short, what you still fear. I promise you this, all of these unattended traumas attract exactly what you fear. Fear is as strong as an attraction force to a narcissist as blood is to a shark. Pain bodies hone in on and attach to pain bodies, point blank, period. Your greatest fears may include being replaced by someone else or being abandoned. It may not be believing in, it may be the fear not being believed in and trusted. It may be having things stolen from you, it may be being physically assaulted, it may be being sexually abused, it may be being financially abused. This you also need to understand. What we fear, we tend to draw and roll around with. It is the things that we've healed and resolved that we no longer tolerate and play out. Please also understand this. Tolerance doesn't just mean shutting your mouth and putting up with it. Being tolerant means staying in the relationship in any capacity. If you stay attached to the narcissist whilst being abused with your weak spot, arguing, trying to catch the narcissist out or trying to make him or her accountable for his or her behaviour, be very clear. You are tolerating what is happening to you. You are also handing over A-grade supply to the narcissist, which makes him or her feel incredibly significant regarding being able to have such a powerful effect over another person. Zero tolerance means you get up and leave, regardless of the pain and the cost. Zero tolerance means you will not have that in your life in any shape or form. Zero, zero tolerance means you will not sell yourself out by compromising what you have decided will never have any place in your life. 
Zero tolerance over things you will never experience. Life does not need to hand you them to improve your self-esteem and grow beyond your previous self. You don't hate these things that you have zero tolerance for and you don't fear them. They are just not any part of your reality. This is the level to where your previous and current emotional traumas, including unfinished childhood business, needs to be healed to in order to not get hooked by these weak spots. And that's what the inner work's all about. As with all narcissistic abuse, the ex-narcissist targeted my weak spots, my unfinished business profoundly. But rather than accept how his many abusive behaviours were diminishing me piece by piece, I stayed. I argued, I prescribed, I lectured, I fought back. And I stayed even though there was no change or resolution that ever lasted. My reactions got worse and worse. And I didn't realise that this was wonderful for a narcissist. It granted him tons of attention, the knowing that he existed and that he had the power to affect another human being so significantly. All of this drama was keeping him distracted from his own tormented inner being and alive. The more I was hooked on to trying to get him to change his behaviour, the more I lost the ability to attach and look after myself. And as a codependent, I'd never mastered this skill previous to him anyway. In this severely dangerous state of me being separated from being anchored in my own body, able to create my own sanity, safety and peace, he was able to swiftly pull the rug out from beneath me with violent threats and actions, intimidation and or abandonment with me not letting go. And I clung on to him, trying to get him to fix what he was doing, because I felt like I would die if I couldn't. Because I wasn't detaching, I was nowhere near learning how to take responsibility for and heal my own weak points that he was able to batter and hook me with. I know I am not the only one who does or did this, not by a long shot. There is a whole community of people here who've played that out. So let's have a look at number two, which is what the narcissist unconsciously detests about his or her own dark, shameful, unwholesome behaviour. So this is one of the most painful and exasperating parts of narcissistic abuse, being constantly accused of all the things that you know the narcissist even does. Things like being materialistic, selfish, nasty, unfaithful, uncaring, devious, a bad parent. The list goes on and on and on. Everyone I know who has been narcissistically abused stated that so many of the things that the narcissist accused them of doing were all the things that the narcissist was doing him or herself. It's safe to say that a great deal of the blame throwing that the narcissist does will leave you in shock, tearing your hair out, screaming. Have you looked in the mirror? So let's have a look at number three. Anything you receive, enjoyment, acclaim, purpose or fulfillment about that takes energy away from the narcissist is going to be a target. So with this comes the accompanying nastiness, which is the response to the narcissist's inner self-loathing that is accentuated and further triggered 
by pathological envy towards you. This is in relation to people or activities that you get positive energy from, such as love, acknowledgement, accomplishment or joy. Because of the intense feelings of being inferior, unable to feel genuine happiness, and you being superior, able to feel genuine happiness, the narcissist needs, you take, needs to take you down a peg or 20 in order to feel vindicated. At these times it feels devastating that what is so important to you is attacked and sabotaged by the narcissist mercilessly. Many abuse forums like to purport that point number three makes us completely powerless and targeted and it is all to do with how much we have to offer that the narcissist wants but can never have. But we need to understand this focus only keeps us entrenched in ongoing powerlessness and victimization. Yes, there are things we are naturally good at, accomplished at, happy about or getting energy from that the narcissist pathologically abhors. But if we stay attached to the narcissist regardless of the abuse, there are deep reasons within us as to why we aren't pulling away and honoring ourselves and these are the gaps within us which require inner healing. So, if you are sufficiently hooked, it's likely you'll try to please the narcissist. Maybe you're feeling the insecurity of possibly losing the narcissist as your supply of security or love or approval or lifestyle or enjoyment or saviour from loneliness. And you try to adapt accordingly. You try to change to make this person happy so that he or she will stay connected to you. Maybe you are trying to keep the peace because you don't like confrontation, so you give in. Maybe you doubt yourself and make excuses for this person or think there is some value in what they are saying, even though your gut is trying to tell you otherwise. Maybe you do try and stand up for yourself but then give in because the narcissist knows how to always up the ante in ways that you give in to again. So why doesn't the narcissist want resolution and peace? This is often the million dollar question that people ask. Before I understood enough about what was going on and what I needed to deeply heal within myself, I used to view the situation through surface level human eyes. And I know you might be doing this too. Because I thought he ultimately wanted what every human wants, resolution and love. After leaving, there were times when I believed this illusion more. This would follow on from clawing my way out of my horrendous addiction to him to get to a safe house away from his threats and abuse. Then he would switch the tables and laugh bomb. Then I was back in the relief of believing that my Prince Charming did want love, happiness and happily ever after. And the evidence of this falling flat time after time after time did not alter my delusions of relief and wanting to believe in him for years. Of course I believed in him. I projected onto him the version of I wanted him to be rather than seeing him for the truth of who he was. Narcissists do not want happy ever after. They are not partnered with you or anyone else. They serve one master only. 
the relentless ego that can never be filled or satisfied. Peace, normality, togetherness, love, gentleness, trust, honesty and teamwork are poison to the ego. They annihilate it as oneness does. Oneness renders egos obsolete. The ego is a lone wolf, a relentless machine of more, more, more. More notoriety, more acclaim, more worship required, more stuff, more superiority, more recognition, more power needed. You and the relationship were only the vehicle to try to get these things. It was never about love and all the synonyms that go with love. There is no genuine relationship possible with a narcissist for this reason, period. There is only, after narcissistic abuse, the ability to heal and create a genuine relationship with yourself. And this is what our healing is all about. So let's have a look at deep self-reflection revealing the empowering truth. Naturally, until we look really inwards and accept that we are the generative source of our own experience, we will not only be very confused about what is going on, we will also blame the narcissist for what's happening to us. Victims stuck in victimhood have a very hard time accepting, as I once did also, that as an adult, no one else other than ourselves is responsible for our well-being. We need to acknowledge what happens between narcissists and codependents is too sides of the same coin. The glue holding a narcissist and a codependent together is neediness. Meaning, I need something from you that I can't supply for myself. We know the narcissist needs narcissistic supply. He or she can't self-provide any positive energy, self-worth or self-approval. It all has to come from the outside. And when we deeply investigate ourselves to heal and break free from the present enmeshment and future or present horror of narcissistic takeover, we discover we assign the narcissist as our source of feeling loved or feeling attractive or having security or a fun lifestyle or not having to be alone anymore or great sex or whatever it is that we rationalise is worth being in a relationship that we know deep in our heart is not healthy for us. We try to believe it's love, but it's not. Really, it's an obsession based on fear. The fear that without this person we may not be able to have this thing or state in our future. That we're not going to be able to generate it for ourselves. I promise you, this is the real reason you are staying. And until that development and healing within yourself is addressed, you are highly susceptible to hanging around whilst your devaluation continues. Or you may never be able to heal and move past the trauma that your devaluation caused. Even long after you've crawled away barely alive or been thrown in the gutter and discarded, mercilessly. So many of us were trapped in the cycle of abuse and I know many people in this community still are. This is what 
the cycle of abuse looks like. Abuse, breakdown, reconnect, relief, tension building. Abuse, breakdown, reconnect, relief, tension building and the cycle continuing all over again. In faster times with greater intensity, all for the higher purpose of bringing the lesson screaming home to us. This is not your sole truth to be living this and how much pain do you need to get it? That's the lesson. What our sole truth is, is the coming home to ourselves to be able to heal the gaps that led us to and hooked us into narcissistic abuse. Then we break free and we don't just survive. We evolve ourselves to a level beyond trauma and beyond abuse. That is what thriving is all about. So I'd love you to learn about that. I'd love you to join with me to experience my healing method to deal with this and learn how to truly heal from narcissistic abuse. And I hope that you've got a lot out of this radio show and what I'd really love you to do if you recognize yourself in this radio show and you really see that this is what's happening to you I'd love you to come into my next webinar so that I can help you really understand what is going on within you and why it's going on within you and how you can reverse that so to learn more about that and join me in this webinar, you can do that by going to www.melanietoniaevans.com forward slash free webinar. So I'll give you that link again. It's www.melanietoniaevans.com forward slash free webinar, which is all the one word. And also too, if you know someone who is in an abusive relationship and is playing out these cycles with a narcissist, please share this message because you might just save their life. So that's it for me for this week and I look forward to seeing your comments and questions on the blog article that is this radio show, the transcript of it. And until next week, everybody, lots of love and bye-bye.